0: the earth. Fragrance of a rose in bloom, a newborn's cry at birth. How could I say there is no God when all around creation calls? A singing bird, a mighty tree. The vast expanse of open sea
1: Do you believe? You know the Bible says in Romans chapter one, creation calls, and few are listening. And even in this morning, as we watched some of the most beautiful sights that creation shows us about God's existence, some of you are are distracted. You're focused on other things. And it's it's very important that all of us listen to creation. Are you listening this morning? Are you going to listen this afternoon as the thunder rolls and the storm comes in? Are you going to listen to God saying, I'm here, I created this, and I call? And our answer, I believe. I believe God. And that's our theme this year. If you're visiting here with us today, I want to welcome you. To our church, the L.A. International Church of Christ, and our goal in life is to grow our faith and build family. It's the greatest need we have in our lives. And this is our theme. We stole it off the website. 2011, the year of belief. I believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And today we're going to talk about the theme, I believe in miracles. That's our our lesson today. But you know, I believe God is calling on so many fronts, but too often we don't hear him because we're listening and seeing other things. We get caught up in, in other things and we're distracted. And today we're going to look at an, an example of a man who needed faith, but God and Jesus took him to another level. Why is, why is faith so important? We talk about it a lot in our church, but why is it so important? You see, only through faith can you become a child of God. There's no other way you can become a child of God without faith. You get your sins forgiven through faith. There's no other way that you can get your sins forgiven, no matter how many good works you try, whatever effort you try to do, how many poor people you serve. If you don't have faith, you will not be forgiven of your sins. And to obtain eternal life, you need faith. To avoid judgment, and it's coming. It's coming to every man and woman on earth. With no exception, there will be judgment. But if you have faith and saving faith, you can avoid judgment. And you can partake in the resurrection of life if you have faith. You can receive the Holy Spirit if you have saving faith. You have empowerment for spiritual service if you have saving faith. Meaning God can use you To do amazing things in the lives of other people and in His kingdom. You can be delivered from spiritual darkness if you have faith. And I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but even this past week, there is darkness in our world. And it's growing. And only through faith can you truly escape the darkness. That's why faith... Isn't that enough reason to see why faith is so important? None of these things you can have without faith. John's Gospel. And we're going to focus on on the Gospel of John today. Uh, Why do we tell people to read the Gospel of John when they're beginning their studies? Well, I'm going to tell you why. Well, it's a good Gospel, but there's a reason. There's a very specific reason. The Gospel of John, it appears the word faith... Appears nearly a hundred times. It's the preeminent message throughout the whole gospel is faith. And it's the reason why we encourage people when they're studying the Bible to read the book of John. And I don't know if you know it or not, but faith is right there at your fingertips. It's right there if you decide to believe and carry your faith on to But the sad fact is that many are not open to faith. It's the truth. And I hope that all of us here today are open to faith. Saving faith. Because there's a difference between just an intellectual belief and saving faith. And we're going to break that down very specifically today. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, let's look at what it says. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only... How many? How many find it? Few. I hope that all of us here today are among those few. Few. I hope that I'm among those few. It requires focus. It requires receiving and and making sure we're paying attention when God speaks to us. And not just today on Sunday or Wednesday, but throughout the week, because God's going to speak to you. He can speak to you when you walk out of here today. And you say, well, I don't hear voices, I don't hear God. God speaks in many different ways. He speaks through when you look at the sky, and when you when you saw the video, all those things, God is crying out, He's calling. I created all this. And I created this, and I created you with a purpose. So that you and I could have a relationship. What is saving faith? Let's break it down because there's a lot of people that talk about faith and faith is a pretty popular thing. Even on the Oprah Winfrey show, they talk about faith and the importance of faith. But only here are you going to find the message of true saving faith. And that's what we're going to look at today. And it's so important because only then can we receive all those things that we looked at in the beginning. Let's look in the in the gospel of John. There's a very interesting story here. It was Jesus' second miracle that he performed in Canaan. Anybody know his first? Turn wine into water. You know, we had a wedding here uh, last, uh, last Sunday. Anybody have water into wine? Did I say wine into water? You knew what I meant. <laughs> I'm just making sure you're paying attention, that you're listening Last week we had a wedding. No wine, of course. But in Jesus' time, because the water was so bad, they would drink wine. It wasn't grape juice. It was wine. And they ran out of wine. Anybody have any idea how much wine Jesus made out of water? Scholars say it was 180 gallons of wine. That's a lot of wine in an instant. Why did he do that? Why did Jesus perform miracles? If you believe in miracles, you've got to understand why. What's the purpose of miracles? What was the purpose of this miracle that we're going to study about today? And what was the purpose of his first miracle? And, you know, the truth of the matter is, in our fellowship, God has been performing miracles Our big prayers and so many others that we've watched and heard about. I mean, God's doing amazing things among us. But He's not doing everything that we ask us. And there's a reason. God is not going to be a genie for us when we rub rub the lamp and get our wish. God has a specific purpose in mind, and we're going to look at this example. In John chapter 4, this was the second time as he came back to Galilee. After two days, he left for Galilee. Now, Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his home country. Any idea why Jesus said this? Why is it that a prophet has no honor in his own country? They knew him. They'd heard it. They'd seen it. They were familiar with Jesus. This is what we call familiar faith. And many of us today have familiar faith. And we don't really get the Bible. We don't really listen to the Bible. Do you know why? Because we've heard it so many times. We've been to church so many times. We've heard lesson after lesson, sermon after sermon. Oh, yeah, yeah, John 4, I've read about this. Yeah, so have I. But it never jumped off the page like it did this past week. Are you listening? And see, that was the problem. People had so many barriers in their faith. And they had this problem. And that's why they couldn't get it. When Jesus arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed Him. And they had seen all, because they had seen all what He had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival. For they also had been there. Once more he visited Cana in Galilee, where he turned the water into wine. And in verse 46, And there was a certain royal official who laid sick in Capernaum, whose son laid sick in Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal His son, who was close to death. Now let's stop and think about this. This man was in a very desperate situation. We've got a few dads in the house today, right? I want you to imagine you being in that situation. I want you to imagine the helplessness that you'd be willing to give even your own life to save the life of your son. A child. A young boy who's in the throes of death. And you want to save him. I know for me as a dad, that would probably be one of the hardest things in my life. To see my son in that position. And all the doctors that he had tried to see and all the things that he had tried to do to save. And many times... Faith starts in a crisis. That's the way God launches faith. And even in our fellowship, there have been many challenges among us. Many of you are even here today because you're going through a challenge. That is the launching pad for faith. Isn't it amazing, you know, after a crisis or a tragedy, people come to church because they don't have answers. They're desperate, they need help, and they don't see the answers. And it's got, to be very, it's got to be very challenging for the rest of us. We've got to be careful that because we're here every Sunday, we lose that hunger and that need for faith like this man. Something really hard thats that happens that drives us to our knees begging for help. Now you have, you can wait for those things to happen or you can be wise and say, you know what, I don't know what I'm going to face this year. I don't know what I'm going to face in the rest of my life, but I want to be ready. Amen. And I want to have faith to face the crisis. So I can be strong and stand my ground. Amen. But we have this, this man. And this is a, a painting of... The royal, it's it's known also as the nobleman's, the healing of the nobleman's. And it's very interesting that this was a royal official. He didn't work for the Roman government, so you can't confuse him with the Roman centurion. This was somebody totally separate. And in the area of Galilee, this gentleman, this man, was probably in the service of King Herod Antipas. And he was a king in Galilee. Galilee. And, you know, we don't follow the Bible. The Bible's not like once upon a time. The Bible is historic. It was interesting, a few of us got to go hear a a workshop this past year of an archaeologist. And you know what this guy did? He found the palace ruins of Herod Antipas in this area. And when they, they, they only dug up about a third of it because they leave it for others in the future. But we don't follow cleverly invented stories. This is history. This was the actual place where King Herod and history tells us, other, other fountains of history tell us that King Herod, Antipas, he ruled from 4 B.C. to 39 A.D. He was king. And this guy was one of his Officials. So what kind of guy are we talking about? He was pretty high up. Who Who did he roll with? What kind of company did he keep? It was kind of upper crust. It was very high end. And yet, he was a respected member of Herod's court, but he was on his knees with the carpenter's son. See, I don't care who you are. At some point, you will be brought to your knees before the carpenter's son. I choose to do it earlier rather than later. Because if you wait too late, you won't have hope. And this, this gentleman was brought, this nobleman was brought to his knees begging for help. He was desperate. To save his son. He had heard about Jesus. He had heard about the wine that was converted from water. He said, I gotta go see. I've tried with doctors. I've tried with so many people. And my son's gonna die. Let me at least try this. And as you see in this image, he, he bows down before Jesus and begged him. He begged him. Please, Jesus. Come with me. Unless you're, and look what Jesus says to him and the others. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. You know, what's Jesus referring to here? You know, many of us need to see something in order to believe. And this can be a very fickle faith. What do I mean by that? Fickle faith means when things are going good and God's blessing you and God's helping you, you have faith. But when when times are hard, how's your faith? When things don't work out the way you want, when God didn't answer the prayer the way you wanted, when you don't see his hand, when you don't hear his voice anymore, how's your faith? Jesus was confronting the man. He says, you know, if I don't do this, you won't believe And what did he mean by believe? He meant saving faith. And some of us have to graduate this year. And I hope that you will graduate this year in 2009 from belief to saving faith. And there's a difference. Saving faith is what Paul had. That's what our heroes in the faith had in Hebrews chapter 11. They had unwavering faith. They didn't need a miracle. They didn't need something to prove to them who God was. They were convinced. God worked powerfully. You know, but what would you be willing to do? And many of us have gone through, and why am I talking about this today? Because many of us have gone through severe crises in our lives. And I'm seeing it in our fellowship. People have died. People have gotten really sick. And there's, there's, there's doubt and sometimes we expect God to take care of us and put an umbrella over us that nothing will ever happen to us because we're His children. That's not the case. In fact, God puts certain things in our lives, challenges in our lives with a very specific purpose to elevate our faith. You see, Jesus was more interested in this man's saving faith than He was in the Well, the health of his son. But he used the health of his son to bring him to saving faith. What's God using in your life right now to bring you to saving faith? Rock solid faith. You see, Jesus is more concerned about our faith than he is is about our finances. Oh, we're very concerned about our finances. It's got our attention. But God's more concerned about your faith than He is about your finances. And He may be using your finances to bring you to your knees, to get you to see there's more to life than this present crisis. You need more. Jesus is more concerned about our faith and our fitness and our health. And when we go through challenges health-wise, it grips us. And Jesus is more concerned about our faith than He is our feelings. And the truth is, we go through very low points in our lives. Discouragement. You know, probably the toughest day in the week for me is Monday. Because after Sunday, I get a lot of news about how things are going in people's lives. And sometimes it can be overwhelming. But you know what? God is more concerned about my faith than He is about my feelings. And the burdens and the challenges. And then the last thing we worry about it a lot, our future. What's going to happen? See, Jesus is more concerned about your faith than your future. Because if you have faith, then you're going to be able to handle your future. You'll be able to face the challenges with confidence. You'll be ready for life if you have this kind of faith. And these things we focus on the most, but faith is what we need more than all of these. Because these things, they're unpredictable and they're unreliable. Your health is not reliable. Your finances, your feelings, your future is unreliable. We don't know what's going to happen, but I can tell you one thing you can rely on. Saving faith. It will outlast this life and take you into another life. And that's why I admire people in our fellowship who have great faith. Because they weather the storm. And I go, man, I I want faith like that. And that's what Jesus was trying to bring about in this man's life. Let's read on. In verse 50. The man took... Jesus at his word. Did we skip that part? We didn't read the, the rest of it, did we? We did? No, we didn't. Let's go back. He said, Sir, come down before my child's died. And Jesus replied, Your son will live. Now, the man had to make a decision. Am I going to trust Jesus' word? What if, what if God told you today, you know that problem that you have? That thing that's gnawing in your soul? That won't let you rest? What if God told you today, it will be fixed? Would you walk away? Or would you follow Jesus around? Now <laughs> wait, wait a minute, Jesus. Wait a minute. How am I gonna know? And then Jesus keeps walking. No, now Jesus, hold on a second. (laughs) Jesus. What sign am I gonna have? No, but look at look at the interesting thing about this man's life. And this is this is a huge step for him, and I admire this nobleman for it. The man took Jesus at his word. Are you ready to take Jesus at his word today? Not me at my word, because I'm just a, a voice piece. Jesus said his word. Are you ready to take him at his word today? If you do that, then God can work in your life. And he departed. And while he was still on his way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. In other words, he was well. When he inquired as the, to the time when his son got better, they said to him, Yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. The exact time Jesus said he will live. How would you feel about that? At that point, what would, you, what would go through your, your body maybe? I mean, that would give me chills. The exact moment. There was no, there was no, there was no time change. It wasn't like, you know, maybe make a phone call. You got to wait for the message to come on your phone. They send the email and then, and then it comes through at the exact time, real time, prayer answered. Real time answer. I mean, that must have been blow away for the man. And could you imagine the family devo that they had? I mean, the father pulls together his, his family and they sit down in the, in the living room. And then he says to his, his wife, his children, and maybe even the, the helpers, and he says, guys, I've got to tell you what happened yesterday. I met Jesus. He's the one, you know, that turned the water into wine and has done all these other amazing things. He's the fiery preacher who talks about the kingdom of God and getting our lives right. I got a chance to meet with him. To talk to him. And and there's little Johnny sitting there in the circle. Well. Healed. And everybody's looking at him and looking at Dad and they said, I got down on my knees and I begged Jesus. I begged Him. Heal Johnny, to come. He said, you don't even need to come. I don't need to go with you. Your son will live. Can you see the devotional? And the result, look what it says here in verse 53. Then the father realized that that was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. Now what does that word mean, believed? They no longer believed in Jesus' power to do miracles. They believed in who Jesus was. It went to another level. See that the man the man didn't didn't need the miracle to convince him what Jesus could do. He now understood because of the miracle who Jesus was. Meaning now he got the the image that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the coming king. And now he didn't beg to get an answered prayer. He dropped on one knee because he understood Jesus is the one to come. And I'm turning over my life to him. And I want to do what he teaches. And I want to be his servant. And live for him. Not me anymore. And not only did he come to the faith. And that's true saving faith. True saving faith is not believing in what God can do. But who God is. Not what Jesus can do. But who Jesus is in your life. See, because there's many people in many churches who believe in Jesus and what He can do. And they pray to Him. But by the way they live, they don't believe in who Jesus is. See, their faith is not backing up. Or their life's not backing up their faith. How about you today? And this, this, this really challenged me and. This whole idea of where our faith has to go this year. If I want to be a mature, faithful disciple, if I want to be right with God, am I going to need another miracle to believe? And God's going to do it. And it's, and it's, it's what Jesus asked us to do, to pray and to pray big prayers. But at some point we've got to graduate so we don't need another piece of cake so that we can feel better about God. See, because answered prayers can be like cake. Man, it sure is good when you're eating it. But then it goes away. You know that prayer that you had answered last year? Is it still firing you up like it did? Some yes, some yeah, well that was last year. i got a whole nother list now. In fact, i got a I got a much more pressing situation this year than I had last year. I need a job. I need help. I need to get out of this situation. What happened last year? See, that's up and down faith. And what we need to do is graduate like this man is rock solid faith. That we believe in who Jesus is rather than what he does. The whole family came to this came to the faith. And. We're going to see here. This is a a George bomb statistic that I found uh, on the Internet of a, a religious group that they took this, this study of when a child comes home after conversion. This is very interesting. When a child comes home, meaning one of the children of the parents, when they come home after conversion, 3% of the family follow the child to church. Not very effective, is it? When a mother comes home after conversion... Seventeen percent of the family follow mother to church. Now here's this most striking thing that they found in this study. When father comes home after conversion, 93 percent of the family follow dad to church. Any question as to why the nobleman's family followed him to Christ? And I want to speak to the dads here. And future, and future dads. Do not blow off your responsibility of being the faith leader in your family. If you're a dad, it's so vital that you lead your family to true saving faith. Don't entrust it to mom. Oh yeah, Mom. My, you, kids, you go with Mom to church. I'm going to stay home and watch the game because this is very important. I need to relax. I've had a long week. That means 17% of your family is going to get right with God. But if you man up and become a spiritual man and lead your family in saving faith, in rock-solid faith, your family is going to watch because they're watching you. And they want to emulate you. So dads, let's be men of faith. But rock solid faith, saving faith. What is the greatest miracle? You know, there were a lot of miracles that Jesus did. He resurrected people from the dead after several days. That's pretty awesome. Took away the smell and the stink. He healed this man's son. He healed people on the spot of many diseases, paralytics, people with skin disease. In fact, the book of John tells us there's so many miracles that Jesus did, it couldn't be recorded in a book. It's just not enough pages. Jesus did so much. But what's the miracle that Jesus is after in our lives? What is the greatest miracle? The greatest miracle is conversion to Christ. I want to introduce you to somebody, Lydia. Where are you, Lydia? From Cal Poly. Stand up. Thursday night. Was it Thursday or Friday? Friday afternoon, Lydia was baptized into Christ Jesus. See, Lydia decided she's going to put her faith in who Jesus is rather than what Jesus can do. And we go through different stages, and I want to encourage all of us that we move in that direction that where faith becomes more and more solid. And we want to grow our faith. And you know, the thing that, that really challenges me is, I think I have strong faith right now. But I've not faced some of the challenges some of our members have faced. And it scares me. I've not faced some of the challenges that some of you have faced. But I want to be ready. And I hope you will take that journey also of wanting to be ready. Because you don't know what's going to happen in your life. You don't know how things are going to turn out. That's why we've got to work on our faith now because it could get challenging. Saving faith means you live differently. When you realize who Jesus is, you don't live the same way. You respect Jesus. You respect His Word. And you decide, I'm no longer going to live that old life that I used to live, rolling with my homies and rolling with my friends the way I used to, talking the way I used to talk, acting the way I used to act. No, my life is different now. I wake up early and I pray to my Lord. I pray to my God. And I fight to do what's right. And you know, on Wednesday night, I come to church. Why? Because I want to be with the people of God. I don't let my schedule choke out my, my faith and my focus on God. And it could be Tuesday night for the singles on the campus. It doesn't have to be Wednesday night. And you know, when our faith group gets together, I realize what Jesus said, and I respect what Jesus said. Where two or more are gathered, there I will be. And if Jesus is going to be there, I want to be there. I don't have to be there. I don't have to be at church today. I want to be. See, that's true saving faith that's reflected in your living. See, you don't need to to have a miracle in order for you to come to church on Sunday. You're solid in your faith. And that's true saving faith. When you're devoted to God's plan. You know that God has a plan for your life? Are you living it out? Are you working towards that? And he may even be using your present crisis to get you there. You know, sometimes people go through challenges, emotional challenges, so that they can one day maybe aspire to be a Christian counselor. You know, it, it, it's, it's amazing how God works when he's, he's navigating our lives. But will you let Him lead today? And will you let Him lead tomorrow? Who is Jesus? Who is He to you? He needs to be Lord. Not our co-pilot. Not, a, you know, my buddy. Jesus is my buddy. No. He needs to be Lord. In the United States of America, we need an education on what that means. Royalty. They have power and influence over our decisions. And we ask our Lord before we jump out and decide to do something. And what is the goal of our faith? It's to believe in who Jesus is, not just what he does. That's the goal. As we focus on being a faith centered church, what does that specifically mean? And if you want to define your faith and say, I believe, okay, well, let's see. Is your life backing it up? Is Jesus in his right place in your life? Or are you one of those fickle faith people? One of those familiar faith people? It's very important that we understand this. This is what Jesus was after when he walked the earth, that's why he performed all these miracles. He performed all the miracles that he performed to to show people the real miracle is when you allow me and you entrust your life to me. And what I've found in these last 25 years, be 26 next month, Jesus does a a much better job running my life than I do. Man, if if I were running my life again, and there's still areas in my life that I need to let go and let him lead... I realized that this week. But let me tell you, with Him in charge, I I can't even imagine what my life would be like. It would probably be like everybody else that we see around here. Whose family and marriage is a wreck. Because they have no idea how to live. You single people, you see it. You know what's happening out there. How people are ruining their lives. You teens here in the house, look around. Your friends whose parents are divorced, who walk around like it doesn't bother them. It's eating away at their soul. They have no sense of security. And they have very little hope that they're going to be able to find a family in the future because theirs was wrecked. But see, you put Jesus in charge and now you can start building family on top of your solid faith. That's what it means. That's the goal. And to finish, Jesus died to build our full trust. He realizes how hard and how difficult it is for us to entrust ourselves to Him. And that's why He went the extra step. The extra stretch for our faith. You want me to prove to you how much you can trust Jesus? Look at the cross. That's Him crying out, You can trust Me. This is what I'm willing to do for you if you'll give Me your full trust. That's what Jesus was after in His whole ministry. Was specifically to teach us how to live, but also to foster that faith so that we would trust Him. Let's look at an example of this. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. This is someone that had saving faith. He gets it. The Apostle Paul. Chapter 2, verse 20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So there I give myself to him. I no longer live for me. This is saving faith. This is the miracle that Jesus wants to perform in as many people in their lives as possible. If you're visiting here with us today, Jesus wants to perform this miracle in your life. And I want to invite you to do some Bible studies with some of our members that that plant seeds that help you understand the, the, what the Bible teaches about building faith and the life that God wants us to live. Very specifically, how Jesus expected us to live. And how to grow our faith. We've made it very practical, the five springboards of faith. If you do these five things, ask somebody about it. They may even have it in their Bible like I do. You know, you've got the five springboards of faith. Right here. If you do these five things, your faith will grow. That's what... The Bible teaches, and that's what we've found in churches. But I want to invite you to do that. And it's never too late. But right now we're going to take the communion. How worthy is Jesus of our trust? When you take the bread, it's to remember His body that was broken for us. When you take the, the, the grape juice, it's to remind you of the blood that was poured out. So you could even have this opportunity to walk by faith. And then through the cross, we can experience the greatest miracle. And we'll be ready for life's challenges with faith. And it's so inspiring to watch people of faith go through their storms. It inspires me. And we need more of those people in this world today. I want to be one of those people. Now, I'm not ready for the storm yet. Trust me, I don't want any more. But if it comes, I want to be ready. Let's go to God in prayer for the communion.